You may think you're the community of the righteous, but you're really the community of the damned. And your words, your thoughts, and most especially the way you regard marriage bear witness to God, to the world, and to you yourselves that you are the community of the damned. This is, in effect, the message of the prophet Malachi to the people of Jerusalem in our text today. Malachi begins by asking why we act treacherously toward one another by defiling the covenant of our fathers. When the prophet refers in our text to defiling the covenant of our fathers, he is not referring to breaking the covenant that God made with Israel in general terms, but rather to the very specific violation of the covenant of marriage. And in the following verses that comprise our text, Malachi points out two specific aspects of the community's attitude toward marriage that God hates and for which he damns them. First in verse 11, he condemns the practice of intermarriage between those who worship the true God and those who worship false gods. He describes marriage as a holy thing that God loves and equates the practice of Israelite men marrying foreign women with defiling the temple by worshiping false gods. Hard words, but Israel's history bears out that judgment. Abraham was the first to acknowledge the danger when he prohibited his servant from arranging a marriage for Isaac from among the Canaanite women. God himself warns his people of the dangers of this practice through Moses in Exodus 34 and Deuteronomy 7, and again through Joshua in chapter 23. But even before the Hebrews got to the promised land, they had disobeyed God at Peor by taking Moabite women and being influenced by them to worship their gods. And as soon as Israel began to settle in the land, Judges 3 tells us, they turned away from God's teaching, took foreign wives, and began to worship foreign gods. Much later, Solomon disobeyed God by marrying many foreign wives and allowing them to continue to worship their false gods, thus establishing, in effect, a royal endorsement for their idolatry. And in his idolatry, Solomon was followed in turn by King Ahab, who married Jezebel, the daughter of the king of Sidon, and joined her in the worship of Baal, and together they spread that idolatry through the land. And after the exile, it became quickly apparent that those who returned to the land had not learned the lessons of the failures of their ancestors. And so Ezra and Nehemiah, as well as the prophet Malachi in our text for today, all confront the people with their sin, and for this sin, God pronounces a certain judgment in verse 12 of our text. May Yahweh cut off from the tents of Jacob 
anyone who does this, whether friend or foe, even one who brings an offering to Yahweh of hosts. The second aspect of their attitude toward marriage that God hates and for which he damns them is their toleration of divorce. Verse 13. And here's another thing that you do, covering Yahweh's altars with, altar with tears, with weeping and sighing because he no longer pays attention to your offering or accepts with favor what comes from your hand. And you say, why not? Because Yahweh bears witness against you on behalf of the wife of your youth with whom you have dealt treacherously even though she is your spouse and your legal wife. Oh, yeah. The people of Israel went through the motions of worship, and they were doubtless sincere about it. They made their sacrifices. They prayed their prayers, expecting that their prayers would rise like incense and the lifting up of their hands would be received as the evening sacrifice. But the aroma of their deeds was a stench, in the stench of hell in the nostrils of God. And he says to them now what he said to them beforehand through the prophet Isaiah, When you spread out your hands, I will hide my eyes from you. Even though you make many prayers, I will not listen. Now, all of this would be just so much curious, perhaps interesting, religious and social history, except for the uncomfortable fact that this word of God pronounces judgment and damnation upon us just as forcefully as it did upon the Jerusalemites of Malachi's day. Last year, the Barna Research Group released an update of a study first done a decade ago, Barna found that 33%, one out of every three American adults who have been married have been divorced at least once. More significantly for us, Barna's data suggests that given the margin of error associated with the sample, there is no, repeat, no statistically significant measurable difference between Christians and the general American population when it comes to divorce. To this culture and to the church that has so compromised the teaching of God's word as to be indistinguishable from this culture, God says in our text today, I hate divorce. And I hate the one who covers his garment with wrongdoing. How apropos for our time are Malachi's words. We good Christians come before the altar of God each week in the same disobedience that Jerusalem displayed. Like them, we place our desires and our happiness above the will of God. In our relationships to our spouses and neighbors, we are no less feckless than the people of Malachi's day. Like them, 
we openly tolerate the sin of divorce amidst us. And we stand condemned by the fact that the divorce rate among professing Christians is almost exactly the same as the divorce rate for the general population. Our church has grown soft for fear of offending people. Our church has compromised with the world on this point, and in doing so, we have defiled the covenant of our fathers as surely and as completely as did the people of Jerusalem. Now, I don't know how accurate Barna's data is, but if it is even close to being accurate, it is a klaxon screaming for this church to repent and to commit itself anew to teach the word of God rightly and to live the word of God faithfully. For God will not receive our offerings. God will not welcome our worship. God will not hear our prayers if we persist in this sin. And we will find that we have joined the community of the damned. Please don't misunderstand me. I know that there are many victims of divorce in this room right now. Men and women, children, who've been deeply hurt by spouses and parents who have, in the words of Malachi, acted treacherously with regard to the covenant of their marriage. This word of God does not condemn those who have been victimized by faithless spouses and sinful parents. But I know that there are others in this room now who have sinned against their spouses, sinned against their marriage vows, sinned against God. And I know that for some of you, your reaction to my words will be the natural human reaction of self-defense and self-justification. But listen to me now. God knows your sin. Don't make excuses. Don't think the lie, even to yourself. Don't harden your heart. This is the moment of your deliverance from the burden that you are carrying. The Spirit of God working through his word calls to you now. Give up your excuses. Let go of your pride. Turn away from the sins of your past. Confess your sin and be forgiven. Yes, be forgiven. God sent Malachi to Jerusalem not only to call it to repentance, but also to proclaim forgiveness. 
Today, through Malachi's word, God calls you out of the community of the damned and offers you the same forgiveness. I don't know, maybe divorce isn't your sin. Maybe your sin is the love of money, lust, lying, laziness, despair, pride. I don't know. You know. God is speaking to you now through the same words of Malachi. Pay attention to your spirit, Malachi says. Whatever your sin, the Holy Spirit of God calls you to repentance and offers you this same promise. On the cross, Jesus Christ died for your sin. He carried the guilt. He bore your punishment. In holy baptism, God joined you to him and sealed you in God's mercy. Come to him now. Rest in his grace and be forgiven in Jesus' name. Amen.